If you have your Bible uh, with you uh, this morning, we're turning to 2 Timothy, please. 2 Timothy and to chapter 4. 2 Timothy, please, and to chapter 4. And if you have your Bible, I want you just to uh, keep it open this morning, for we'll be turning uh, to a few different uh, passages of the Word of God, and trust that the Lord will have something uh, to say uh, to every single one of us here. Second Timothy, please, chapter 4, and commencing to read at verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof thy ministry. And we know the Lord We'll add a blessing uh, to the reading of his word this morning. Just bow with me, please, one moment. And you ask the Lord to speak to your heart uh, just before we come to the word of God. You just say, Lord, will you speak to me this morning? Father, we just come again and before thee in the attitude of prayer. And Lord, as we come to thy word just now, we come as a company of thy people. And Lord, we ask that thou will come. And speak to every single one of us. Lord, I need thy help this morning. And I ask thee, Lord, that thou will cleanse me, fill me, and endue me. That your word will go forth with clarity, with weight, and with power. And Father, above all, that thy Son would get all of the glory. We ask it in the Saviour's name. We take authority over every spirit this morning that would hinder and resist and oppose the preaching of the word. We bind them in the name of our Savior. We cry that we'll know something of the mighty presence of our God, even here this morning. We ask it in the name of thy Son. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We turn here this morning for a moment or two uh, to Second Timothy. Paul is now in a cold, damp prison cell in Rome. You'll remember, of course, how it was Nero how he went about casting the people of God into prison cells. He was beheading them and executing them. And Paul, while he's in his prison cell at Rome, he could say in verse 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And he went on to say, I have finished my course. And here was this old battle-worn saint of God in Rome coming to the last days of his life. And he takes his pen again and he begins to write to this young man, Timothy. This young man that was near to the heart of the Apostle Paul. And I want you to see some things that Paul shared with young Timothy. 
If you go back to chapter 3 and verse 1, this is how Paul starts. He said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I want you to see, first of all, the warning that Paul shares with Timothy. The warning that he shares. He said, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. In other words, in the last days, There'll be days marked by danger. That word there, perilous, is the word fierce, dangerous, and difficult. And friends, I don't need to stand in the trailer to tell you this morning that those days have come. We're not looking for them to come, but they have come. We're not only in the last days, and we're not only in the last of the last days. We're in the last hours. And the last seconds of this dispensation. Paul, he went on to say in verse 1, This know, this is a certainty. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Dangerous times. Difficult times. Dangerous times. Vance Havner said, We're smart enough to walk on the moon, but not safe enough to walk on the street. Dangerous, difficult, and perilous times are here. But not only did he warn young Timothy of dangerous days and days of danger, he warned him of days of deception. He went on in verse 5 of chapter 3, and he said there that men and women, they would have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. That word form there is the word to replicate. It's the word to simulate. Sometimes you'd have been down in barries there and they would have had a, a, a fun fair and it would simulate something. It was to replicate it. It wasn't the real experience, but it was only a replica. And Paul is warning young Timothy that in the last days there'll be dangerous days and there'll be days of deception. And I want to say this morning, As the Lord has burdened my heart, we today are living in days of deception. You know, there's never been a generation in the church today with as many false professors as today. Men and women simulating and men and women replicating, being saved and yet know nothing of the joy and the peace that Bertie mentioned in his opening prayer. They have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And I want to ask some soul in this car park this morning, is that you? A form of godliness. Yes, you'll come to the meetings. Yes, you'll say the right things. Yes, you may not drink, you may not smoke, but you are not enjoying the things of God. You see, dear friends, this morning, the job of the watchman is this, to blow the trumpet, and I intend to do that. This morning, there's so many in our land and maybe even in this car park that are depending on a verse, depending on an experience, depending on the words of another man and yet not living the real, vital, vibrant reality of being born again. Only a form, only a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Days of danger are here. Days of deception are here. 
In chapter 3 and verse 13, he went on and he said, Men being deceived and deceiving. And I say this morning, the worst kind of deception that you'll ever find in the world today is self-deception. It was interesting during the week, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, as the Lord Jesus Christ came to the close of that sermon, in Matthew chapter 7, he told men and women about the entrance into salvation. He said, enter in at the straight gate, for straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. For broad is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. But not only did he tell the people about the entrance into salvation, he told them about the evidence of salvation. For the next verse he goes on to say that ye shall know them by their fruits. Oh, I say to you this morning, in this car park, make sure that you're saved. Make sure that you're not holding and clutching onto an empty profession. Make sure that you're not depending on a verse or a cliche, depending on the words of another man. But make sure that it's real. Paul said, make your calling and election sure. Days of danger. Days of deception. He went on to warn Paul, young Timothy about days of departure. And he mentioned in chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, Now as Jannies and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. You remember whenever Moses and Aaron went in before Herod, or in before Pharaoh, you remember how the two magicians stood and they tried to resist the miracles of God. They tried to replicate what God was doing and they couldn't. And Paul reminds young Timothy that they withstood and they resisted the truth. We live in a day today where men and women are in open opposition to the word of God. It says in chapter 4 and verse 4, they shall turn away their ears from the truth. Friends, that's the day in which you and I are living. Days of danger, days of departure, days of deception. But not only was the warning that Paul shared with young Timothy, there was the wisdom that he had. In chapter 3 and verse 14, if you take a glance at it, Paul says to young Timothy, he says, But continue thou. I tell you, dear friends, while we're living in a day of deception and in departure and danger and difficulty, this is what Paul said just before he died, just before he was going to exit this scene of time. This is what he said to Timothy. Continue thou. In other words, Timothy, whatever you do, go on. Whatever you do, don't back down. Whatever you do, don't give in. Don't retreat. Go on. I wonder is there someone in the car park this morning and you've started to go back. You're going to go back. Maybe you say this morning the Christian life's a hard life to live and so it is. Maybe you're going to go back to the world. Maybe you're going to go back to the carnal life. Maybe you're going to go back to your old ways. Well, here's a word from a man that was ready to die. Go on. Go on. But continue thou in the things 
which thou hast learned. Here was a man, Paul, and he had a burden for Timothy. He says in chapter 2 and verse 3, Endure, endure hardness as a good soldier. Chapter 4 and 5, he says, Endure affliction. And friends, that's what we need, and I need, and you need this morning as the people of God in dangers, difficult, and days of deception. We need to endure. It's all right to live whenever there's revival. It's all right when souls are getting saved. It's all right to live for God when the tide is in. But we need to stand even when the tide is out. What about Demas? Demas who spent time with the Apostle Paul. Demas had preached. Demas had seen miracles. And you remember what Paul said of Demas. But Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. wonder is that some soul here this morning. The world has started to get a hold on your heart. You've lost the joy of the things of God. And just like Demas, my long before Demas ever went back, he went back in his heart. What about young Mark? You remember how Mark went on his missionary journey with Paul. And yet Mark, he went back. He didn't endure. He didn't stand. He didn't fight. And friend, I fear this morning as a preacher of the gospel, that's where we are. As the people of God, we're so prone to give in and give up and go back. You remember what Paul said to the church at Ephesus, Stand, and having done all to stand, stand ye, therefore, stand in your workplace, stand in your home, stand in the college, stand in the school, stand on the street, stand in the church, stand, stand. You remember what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians? 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, he talked about a falling away. He was talking to a man during the week and he was mentioning this verse to me. And it seems today that many of us are not falling away, but we're running away, running away. And we're afraid to death of something that we can't see. I read it down this morning, word to God that we would be more concerned about obeying God than obeying the government. So many of us. My, I was thinking this morning, if this was the last day that you and I were to live on this earth, if this was the last Sunday morning that we had the opportunity to come to church, if we knew that Christ was going to come back tonight, I wonder, I wonder how many of us would remember him. I wonder how many of us would come round the table to give him our everything and give him our all, to give him our everything, both great and small. You know, dear friend, this morning, this could be the last day. This could be the last day that I ever stand in a trailer. This could be the last day this last sermon's ever preached, the last soul is ever saved. This could be the last day. I'm glad today that we can live in that hope of the blessed hope of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see Paul's warning and you can see Paul's wisdom. But I want to share with you this morning for a moment or two about the warrant that Paul gives to this young man. In chapter 4, we read it, chapter 4 and verse 1, he said, I charge thee therefore... He said, Timothy, 
because their days of darkness, because their days of departure, because their days of deception, I charge thee. This is the warrant that Paul is giving to this man. That word charge there is the word to solemnly charge before God. It's a legal word. It's the word that a judge will use in the court of law. It's the word to summon. And Paul summons as this young man, Timothy, before God. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. And this is the charge that Paul gives to Timothy. This man that was ready to die, this man on the last lap, this man that was ready to be offered, this man that had fought a good fight, this man that had kept the faith, this man that had finished the course, he said, I charge thee, therefore, preach the word. Preach the word. And friends, this morning, if you and I are on any praying ground at all, This is what you and I need to begin to pray. Lord, raise up men that will preach the word. To preach it. Not to debate it. Not to dispute it. Not to doubt it. Not to dilute it. But to declare it. Declare the word. Don't preach your ideas. Don't preach stories. Don't preach on your own ideology. Stand in the street and preach the word. Not with the wisdom of men, but with demonstration of the spirit and of power. You know, 34 times in Acts of the Apostle, you get that little phrase, the word. The word. And that's what I want to speak to you for this, about this morning. The word of God in the last days. And the first thing is we're to declare it. 34 times in the Acts of the Apostles, you get that little phrase, as we've already mentioned, the word. Is it any but wonder they turned the world upside down in 30 years because they stood and preached the word? You know, Paul reminds young Timothy that the word of God in chapter 3 and verse 16 is given by inspiration of God. This book that I have before me And the book that I trust is open before you this morning in your car is not written by a man. It's the word of God. It doesn't contain the word. It is the word from Genesis to Revelation. Paul and Don said in chapter 3 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, doctrine, for teaching, For truth. You know, he went on and said several times about sound doctrine. We live in a world today of strange doctrine. Where men and women will stand and they'll preach. And they'll say things that are not in the in the word at all. They can stand and preach things that are not in the book. But Paul said to Timothy, in dangerous days, days of deception, days of departure, Timothy... Whatever you do, stand and preach the word. Preach the doctrines in the word of God. Teach the the truth of the word of God. I can see Timothy as he opens the letter from Paul. 
And he says, well, I should teach and preach the doctrines concerning Christ. Preach on his virgin birth. Preach on his sinless life. Preach on his sacrificial death. Preach on his victorious resurrection. Preach on his sudden return. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Friends, that's the answer to our day. Preach the doctrine. Preach the truth of the word of God. Don't dispute it. Don't dilute it. Declare. Not only was he meant to preach the doctrine concerning Christ. What about the gospel? The many doctrines of the gospel. The depravity of man. What about the judgment of God? Preach the remedy for sin. Preach about the blood that was shed. Preach about the salvation that is free. Preach about the offer that goes out. Preach about the mighty work of the cross. Preach about the heaven again and the hell to shun. Timothy, preach the word. Not only was he meant to preach the doctrines concerning Christ, not only concerning the gospel, he was meant to preach the doctrines concerning the church. It's very easy for you and I as the people of God to point the finger at the word. Very easy to preach on the depravity of man. Very easy to point at the sins of the iniquity of the world. But friend, every single one of us in this car park this morning will have a word to our own soul. Preach the word concerning the church. Preach on the doctrine of baptism. Preach on the doctrine of the Lord's table. Preach on the doctrine of head covering. Preach on the truth of membership. Preach on the truth of going on with God. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. And friend, we need to take the word, all of the word, not some of the word. All of the word. And we not only need to read it, and we need to heed it, and we need to obey it. Because blessing depends upon it. You read away back there, And Jeremiah chapter 36, you read of how Jeremiah came in before Jehuai, and he was the son of godly king Josiah. And Jeremiah came in before the king, and he gave him the word of God. And it says of Jehoi, that after he had read one or two leaves of the word, you know what he did? He reached into his pocket and got a knife, a pen knife, and he cut the word of God. And he fired it into the fire. And you and I as the people of God may not get a knife and damage the book. But we can disobey it. And that's why I say to you this morning, dear child of God, do what Paul told Timothy to do. Go on. If you're not baptized, get baptized. If you're not round the table, get round the table. If you're not in an assembly, get round into an assembly. Preach. The word. You know, it would be easier for me this morning to sit in my car at the back of the car park and not annoy anyone. But I have a responsibility before the Lord. There's coming a day when I will give an account of this message. And so will you. I wonder, is there portions of the word of God that you are cutting out of the book? Portions that maybe don't agree with your ideology or mine. And we would get a spiritual pen knife and nip it and cut it and throw it into the fire. 
Preach the word. That was the warrant that Paul gave to Timothy. Not only did he say to preach it, he told Timothy what will happen when he preaches it. He says it will reprove, it will rebuke, and it will exhort. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. You know, my dear friends, this morning, whenever Paul was writing to young Timothy, he was saying this, preach the word at the weddings, preach it in funerals, preach it in the churches, preach it in the streets, preach it to the old, preach it to the young, preach it to the saved, preach it to the lost, preach it to the many, preach it to the few, preach it to the rich, preach it to the poor, preach it to the black, preach it to the white, preach it in the towns, preach it in the city. Timothy, preach the word. Preach it when they want it. Preach it when they don't. Preach the word. And he says, whenever you stand in your trailer, stand behind your pulpit, stand in your hall, square your shoulders, preach the word, men and women will be reproved. Men and women will be rebuked. Men and women will be exhorted. You remember whenever Paul preached there in Acts chapter 24 between, before Felix and he preached of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. The word of God went right into the heart of that old ungodly man and it says that he trembled. He shook like a leaf. The word of God penetrated his heart. You remember whenever Stephen stood in Acts chapter 7 and he stood before the Sanhedrin. Man, he rebuked them because of their, their rebellion and how they crucified the Lord of glory. My, it says that they were cut to the heart. The word of God went in. The word of God cut to the very heart. It uncovered their sin. Friend, that's what we need. We need the word of God to go through us. It's not enough for us to go through it. But we need to let the word of God go through us to see if we're living the way that the Lord wants us to. It will reprove, it will rebuke, and it will exhort. But not only did Paul tell him what to preach, and when to preach it, and how to preach it, he told him why, why he should preach it. My, he went on and he said in verse 3, For the time will come, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they will heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. In other words, Paul said in a day to come, and that's our day, he said men and women will not want the truth of the word of God. They'll get a puppet on a pulpit to preach what they want to hear. Is that not where we are? Is that not where we are in our land today? Men and women that are dictating what should be preached from the word? Paul said to Timothy, preach it. Preach it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't dilute it. Don't dispute it. Timothy declared, preach the word. You know, the word of God is a sharp as a two-edged sword. It's quick and it's powerful. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and the dis a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, I don't know what's going through your mind this morning. I don't know what you're thinking as I stand here this morning. Maybe you're saying, I don't agree with that. 
Maybe you say that's legalism. Maybe you say, I'll do it my way. Friends, this is the word of God. This is the word that God has sent from heaven. Men died that you and I could read this book this morning. Woe betide us if we don't live by it. That's the first thing that we need to do in these days of danger, days of departure, and days of deception. Declare the word. Declare it. But not only are we to declare the word, we should delight in the word. We should delight in the word of God. You remember Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. What a rebuke that is to every one of us, I'm sure, this morning. Is the word of God a delight? Is it sweet? Is it the thing that we relish and cherish? Do we delight and long to get alone with the book and the word of God and the Lord and let him speak to your heart? To delight in the book. In Psalm 119, get a chance, go through it whenever you go home. Seven times the psalmist in Psalm 119 Seven times he used the word delight concerning the word of God. Seven times. I'm going to lift four of them out for you as I go by. Four reasons why you and I should delight and can delight in the word of God. Psalm 119 and down there in verse number 89. It says, thy word is settled in heaven. Friends, that's one reason why you and I can delight in this old book. That's why you and I should relish it and cherish it. That in a world of disorder, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. You may change. I may change. The world may change. But I'm glad this book is forever settled in heaven. We can rest in that. The word is settled and it's sure. That's why we can delight in this old book. But not only can we delight in it because it's settled in heaven. The psalmist went on and said in Psalm 119 and verse 5, he said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In a day of darkness, in a day of gloominess, in a day of deception, thank God this old book, this word, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. This old book is the roadmap for life. This old book is the word that God speaks to me through and speaks to you through. And in a world of darkness, there is a light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We can delight in that. Then the psalmist goes on in verse 140. He said, Thy word is very pure. And in a world of defilement, I tell you, dear friends, we've got the book. This book that is pure. This word that is, brings purity to the heart of any man or woman that reads it. This is what the psalmist said. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. This old book will cleanse you and it will keep you clean. That's why you and I can delight in it. 
We can delight in the word because it's forever settled in heaven. We can delight in the word because it's a lamp onto your feet and a light onto your path. We can delight in this old book because it's pure, very pure. And then quickly, in verse 160, the psalmist says, Thy word is true. And in a world of deception, we have a book before us that's true. Oh, I say to you this morning, why should we not delight in this old book? Why should we not preach it? Why should we not declare it? Why should we not relish it? Why should we not cherish it? It's forever settled in heaven. The Lord Jesus said himself that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Declare the word. Delight in the word. Then not only we're to digest the word, to digest it. You know this old book, the word of God is a sword that pierces. It's a hammer that breaks. It's a fire that burns. It's a seed that sows. It's a light that reveals. But it's food that sustains. And if you're going to go on with God in these days of darkness and departure, if you're going to stand and grow and become mature in your faith, and I myself included, we're going to have to be men and women of the book. You remember what the Lord Jesus said to the devil in Matthew 4 and 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. This book that I have before me this morning is food for the soul. And again, I put a warning shot out from this trailer. That's one of the reasons why so many of us as the people of God are malnourished, weak, and feeble in our faith because we're not feeding our souls on the book. My, the old Quakers used to say, if you don't have the book, you have no right to take your breakfast. If you don't have your book in the morning, you have no right to eat your breakfast. Men and women of the book, Job, he could say, I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food, more than my breakfast, more than my lunch, more than my dinner. Job says, I'd rather get alone with the word. I'd rather get alone with the book than take my tea my dinner or my lunch, I have such a hunger, such a craving for the Word of God. What a rebuke. What a challenge that is to our hearts. You know, the psalmist could say, I have hid thy word in my heart that I may not sin against thee. And Paul, as he was coming again to young Timothy in Second Timothy 2 and verse 15, he said, Timothy, study Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Friend, you may never be called to preach the gospel. You may never be called to preach or minister the word of God. But still, every single one of us ought to be students of this book. Every single one of us should be men and women in the word. Men and women that go through the book from Genesis to Revelation with your pencil, piece of paper, concordance, and go through the Word and see what it teaches. We need to study, study to show ourselves approved unto God. You know, God watches what we do with this book. 
God will watch this afternoon when we leave the meeting. Will we go home and turn on the television? Or will we read the book? God will watch what we do in the morning with the book. God will watch what we do in the evening with the book. He said, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. In other words, Timothy, whenever men ask you a question, he says you, you'll be able to answer. Don't blush. Don't Google it. Don't ring a friend. You'll know the answer if you're in the book. Study to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You remember what it says in Acts 17 of the Bereans. It says they searched the scriptures daily. And I say to you this morning, dear friend, don't depend on a daily light. Don't depend on your daily bread booklet. Get alone with the word of God. Get a pencil, get a journal, and get down on your knees and say, Lord, speak to me and feed my soul. That's how you'll grow. That's how you'll be a man or a woman of faith. That's how you'll endure. That's how you'll stand. That's how you'll fight in the day of darkness, deception, and departure. Study the word. Declare it. And digest it. You know, the word of God is described by Peter as milk. He said, as newborn babes desire, long for the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. And I would say this morning, if you're in this car park and you're not growing and you're not going on with God, I am pretty sure you're not in the Word. You're not in the book. It's not enough to listen to sermons. It's not enough for another man to feed you. You need to desire the sincere milk of the Word. Brangle said this, that a babe has no other option but milk. And we have no other option, friend. If we're going to grow... We need to desire the sincere milk of the word. Peter describes the word as milk. Peter, Paul describes it as meat. 1 Corinthians 3. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you are not able to bear it. It's described as milk by Peter. Meat by Paul. And John describes it as manna. Manna from heaven. Oh, friend, this morning... Let me come down from the trailer. Get into your car this morning. Sit in the seat beside you to ask you a question. Did you get the milk this morning? Did you get the meat this morning? Did you get the manna this morning? The fresh word from heaven. Not from another man. Not from a sermon and sermon audio. Not even from me. Did God break to you this morning the fresh manna from heaven? You know, milk... Speaks of survival. And unless you're in the word, you're not going to survive. Meat speaks of substance. And manna speaks of sweetness. That's why you and I need to be in the book. That's why you and I need to be men and women in the word. Declare the word. Digest the word. Ah, but as a close, I want you to listen to me now. I'm only going to be a minute or two. It's not enough to declare the word. It's not enough to digest the word. It's not enough to delight in the word. Friends, we need to be doers of the word. And James, whenever he written his epistle, this is what he said. 
Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And if I was to go through with you this morning the pattern of an assembly, friends, don't only hear it, do it. Because if you don't do it, you're deceiving your own self. It's one thing for the devil to deceive you. It's something for someone else to deceive you. But it's absolute folly to deceive yourself. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 11, Blessed are they that hear the word. And that's what you're doing this morning. You're hearing it. But then he went on and he said, And they that keep it, do it. It says of Ezra that he prepared his heart to seek the word of the Lord and to do it. Do it. And I don't know what God has put his finger on your life this morning. Maybe he hasn't even said a thing to you concerning what I have said. But whatever God is speaking to you about from his word, do it. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Maybe you're in your car this morning and you would love to get a pen knife out. You would love to cut some area of the word of God that God's speaking to your heart about. I don't want to do it, Lord. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give in. And just like old ungodly J.I., he got his pen knife and he ripped the word of God and fired it into the fire. I'll be a sad end for him. Paul said to Timothy, declare the word. The psalmist said, delight in the word. Peter, James, Peter, John, and Paul said, digest the word. James said, do the word. Do it. Don't talk about it. Don't sing about it. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Don't sing about it. Don't talk about it. Do it. Be a big enough man. Be a big enough woman. Stand up and do what God would say for you and I to do. Declare it. Digest it. Delight in it. But do it. Do it. The word of God in the last days. And I pray this morning that you and I will be men and women of the book. Men and women that will be able to stand in the street, preach the word. Men and women in the churches, preach the word to the old and to the young, to the black and to the white, to the rich and to the poor, to the illiterate and to the educated, stand and declare the word. Not only to declare it, delight in it, relish it, cherish it, and digest it, but do it, do it. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. May the Lord bless his word to your heart. Let us bow in a moment of prayer, please. Father, we just bow again before Thee. Lord, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You for this Word that we have in our hand this morning. The Word that is inspired by Thee. The Word that is profitable for doctrine, for correction, and for instruction. The Word that's a sword, it's a hammer, it's a seed, and dear Lord, it's food. 
Lord, I pray this morning over every soul in this car park that you will make us all men and women of the book, men and women that study to show ourselves approved, not unto men, but unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Lord, as souls that go out into the open airs and missions, help men to stand and declare it. Help every one of us to delight in it. Help every one of us to digest it. But, oh God, I pray this morning that every single one of us will do it. Just do it and obey God. Father, we look out around the world and everyone is in confusion this morning when men and women are more worried about obeying man and obeying governments and obeying God. Father, we cry this morning that thou wilt help us and enable us in a day of darkness, deception, and indeed departure, to stand and endure and to fight, that every one of us will be able to say like Paul, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Bless thy word to our hearts. Lord, as we gather round the table to remember the Son of God, the Word who was made flesh, the one who died on a cross to save us, the one, Lord, who gave himself for us. Lord, how awesome it would be for him to give himself for us and yet for us not even to obey him. Lord, help us to go through with God. We ask it in the Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.